You're listening to the Inside Cloud Channel podcast. I'm your host, Segert van der Linden. In the last episode, we started with our nine-part series on the Cloud Adoption Framework, or CAF. That's Microsoft's nine-step guideline to help you move to the cloud. In the second step, you develop a cloud transition strategy. And I will talk about that strategy with Insights. Alex Malos and Jurien Eitenbogaert. Welcome back. Hi. Good morning. Um, the second step of the CIF starts with a question we briefly discussed in episode one of this series. Uh, the big why. Why are you moving to the cloud? Um, uh, Alex, can you, can you give me a, a few possible answers for that question? Definitely. And it's a really good question because you can have multiple drivers for thinking about the cloud, generally speaking. You can have a need for expanding your existing data center or you may want to adopt some new piece of technology or you may have some um, the need to refresh your hardware and instead of making a, a big investment upfront into purchasing the new hardware you can move into the pay as you go model and what we have seen at least in the last year or so is that the driver has become the actual end user so the customer so for a service provider for example they they may have all the needs uh, all the uh, motivators I was referring to earlier on, but what they have started to notice is that their end customers are coming to them and they are, they are saying, I want to have Office 365 or I want to have Azure. Why? They may not even know why. It's cool. Everybody does it. <laughs> so they they can just, um, yeah. So so the, the, the end customer starts to become the driver next to all those needs or of expansion or um, hardware refresh or so. Yeah, we always distinguish two two axes. So either it's 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 optimization, or innovation, and everything in between. That's pretty much the two. Yeah, the the, the two sides that we uh, that we distinguish. Yeah, yeah. So end users come to you. They want to be part of the cool guys club and say, yeah, we want to migrate. We want to we want to have Microsoft Teams because well, uh, all all our competitors have Microsoft Teams and we want to have it too. Uh, is that a good enough reason? To, to make this big transition? Well, it, it depends on how you look at it. it. It is from the perspective that if you don't do it as their provider, there will be other providers who are definitely can do it on one hand and on the other are willing to have new cu- new customers, new clients. So yeah. there there's another motivator to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a service provider, or, it's not a motivator. Yeah. But I can imagine that... that um, that that some reasons are more urgent than others, and that's uh, I can imagine that if a company has a more urgent reason to make the transition, um, the process will work better. The, the you can work better together. It goes a bit more smooth because sometimes those customers actually have already made the decision to go to Azure, for example, or to Microsoft 365 because they don't have any other option, and their their current provider is not able to well to deliver what they want. So definitely the process will go, will go quicker. Um, and sometimes you, you need to convince a provider or an end customer to go there or not to go there because it doesn't make sense to go to Azure because you go to Azure if your current estate is capable, still capable of running those, those workloads. So the desired outcome is not always that they need to go to Azure, but 
Yeah, you need to think of of the why. That's that's really important. Yeah, and I say the the desired outcome. That's another thing you need to think about. What is your end goal? Where would you want to end up? Exactly, and that could be the motivation as well. So why do you go to to Azure? Well, maybe because it's it's cheaper, because it's more agile, or um, maybe the reason is uh, you have to go there because otherwise your application will go end of life or it won't function anymore. Um, so yeah, that's that differs per customer. Yeah, yeah. The the does the financial aspect also come in play when you think about the possible outcomes? Cost cost reduction can be uh, a, a good why and a good uh, uh, goal. Yeah, it's, it, it it is what we were referring to earlier. So whenever you need to, so or back in the days, whenever you needed to do a data center refresh because after three or five years you need to refresh the hardware from your data center. You, you will basically make a, a big investment to refresh all that hardware on one hand. And on the other hand, say that you will have, well, I'll just pick some random numbers. You, you will have, you have a hundred customers, but, and you plan to get 30 more or 50 more. So then when you do this uh, hardware refresh of your data center, you would think to, to make it capable of accommodating 150 customers. So basically you have paid for the hardware, a big investment upfront for 150 people of 150 customers, but you are actually serving 100 for now. So 50% of that capacity or 30% of that, of that capacity is just sitting there, not being used. Whereas if you move for the uh, public cloud world, you are literally paying for what you use and, and whenever you say that out of these 100 customers, 20 will leave. You just uh, untick the box, so yeah, to say, yeah, or yeah. remove, delete those workloads from the public cloud, then you no longer pay for it. Yeah. Whereas if that would have happened in the on-premises world, you, you just are stuck with that capacity without having to, yeah, it doesn't serve you at yeah. anything and you just have, you, you have paid for it. Yeah, it's the scalability. Uh, we've been talking about in earlier episodes also. Yeah, and, and the, the availability on demand. So, and I don't want to refer to, to COVID every time, but that, that's what we have experienced, that a lot of providers, they, they do have some capacity left in their platform, but at a certain moment when 2,000 people need to work remotely on, as additional on, on what they are already serving, they're out of capacity. Then everyone is asking for uh, for physical servers. Uh, they're out of stock. Uh, th- th- there were a lot of, of capacity problems. Even myself was experiencing uh, capacity problems for a couple of days. Um, but in the end, Azure or other public clouds, they, they offer almost limitless capacity. And that's a big benefit as well. You just tick the box, it will work. You will pay for that if you don't need it anymore, untake or automate even that process. So yeah, the financial benefits are, are obvious in that case. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now you have your you have your, your your why, you have your possible outcomes, you get your teams in place. We talked about that in part one of the series. Uh, uh, your transition teams is, is they're 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 working, um, but then you can assign the help of partners. Who are those partners? Could you name some of them? And what can they do for you? Inside yeah, Insight is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Now, there are, there are many more. Um, and I think that partner or the, the help of the support of partners is inevitable. 
I, I don't think that there's one company in this world that is capable of, of deploying, operating, servicing all the services that are available in the platform. So it really depends on the, on the workloads that you as an end customer or service provider are running in the public cloud, whether you need the, the, the assistance of a, of a partner. Well, maybe a good example is, uh, yeah. is, 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 is Windows Virtual Desktop. That's, that, that's a hot topic at the moment, that when general available for the latest release uh, somewhere end in the end of July, um, that will become a commodity or a, that will become a, a known product and there will be a lot of partners and customers capable of working with it. But not at this moment, but the, the demand from the end customers is, is pretty high. So there are some, some partners like Insight that are capable of, of deploying that, teach the end customer and the service provider to work with it, to deploy it, to maintain it, etc. And And we have the perfect example here. So Windows Virtual Desktop was just a topic out there, something cool Microsoft offers, and maybe they have heard of it, maybe they have not heard of it, the, the service providers, I mean. But it was something like nice to have, and then all of a the sudden they needed to uh, get to know it and to want to implement it, but they didn't have the knowledge. So what did they do? They contacted they contacted us in order for, for us to help either deploy it for them, what the example I was referring to with the working over the weekend, mm -hmm. to, to implement the solution for more than 200 users to be able to, to work on Monday, um, or, or to train them on how to use the platform so that they can start deploying it for, for various customers of theirs. You've been listening to the Insights Cloud Channel podcast hosted by me, Segert van der Linden. Special thanks to Insights Alex Malers and Julian Huytenbogaert. Want to know more about Insight and their services? Check insights.com. In the next episode, step three of the cloud adoption framework, planning. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening and see you next time.